Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today, we are going to continue with the series of profiles that we are doing on, uh, on a lot of players. Um, today, we are going to cover Patrick Corbin, free agent pitcher, formerly of the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're going to cover David Dahl. Uh, outfielder for the Colorado Rockies, who is shooting up uh, ADP draft boards, if you will. And then finally, a stalwart, uh, Justin Verlander, starting pitcher for the Houston Astros. Three really interesting, uh, you know, two very good, one potentially good, I guess, um, uh, players that definitely should be on your radars uh, moving forward as draft season uh, commences. Thank you, as always, for listening. You'll notice that in the podcast, the first two players I analyzed were from folks who um, either suggested the person, the the player via Twitter, or who wrote a, um, or who gave a rating to the podcast. That is something that I'm going to uh, start doing. So if you do leave a five-star rating for the podcast or um, a review for the podcast, um, you will be able to... um, Uh, I will take a suggestion from you of a player to cover in one of the subsequent podcasts. Now, if you give the five-star rating, you can pick one player. And if you give a five-star rating and leave a nice review, uh, you you can pick three players. How does that sound? Because uh, ratings and reviews are great. Again, um, aside from being a total egomaniac, the reason why these are important is that they are used um, on iTunes and other podcast platforms to... Uh, recommend fantasy baseball podcasts. So if you rate and review the podcast, it really helps uh, helps me get it out there to more people and spread the word. And that is what uh, I am trying to do and hoping to do. So would really appreciate that. Um, you can follow me on, as always on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy, on YouTube, just search for BatFlipCrazy. The blog is BatFlipCrazy.com but needs maintenance as usual. Patrick Corbin, David Dahl, Justin Verlander. Let's get this party started. All right, first up we have Patrick Corbin, starting pitcher for, used to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll probably find out pretty soon where he's going to be pitching next season. Uh, shout out to at uh, mbash underscore 93, Mike Bash on Twitter uh, for the recommendation or the suggestion to do a little deep dive on Corbin. Right now, Corbin is uh, in the two early mock drafts. He went at 56.3. He's up at 49.5 in the 10 NFC, uh, NFBC drafts that have taken place so far with a minimum pick of 36 and a high of 65. Remember the NFC uh, NFBC picks... Um, really put a premium on pitching. And so you'll likely, um, likely in your home leagues, you may not see him going that high, but after going over some of the, some of the numbers, you may want to draft him that high. Uh, 33 starts last year, uh, in 2018 after 32 starts in 2017, 200 innings pitched, 11 wins. K minus walk rate is awesome at 24.8%. Uh, this is really, uh, elite territory above guys like Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber, folks like that. Strikeout rate, 30.8%. Uh, again, super elite, over 8% above league average. 246 strikeouts in those 200 innings. That's good for 11 strikeouts per nine. Swinging strike rate, a super elite, 15.6%. This is territory of the Chris Sales, Jacob DeGroms, Max Scherzers of the world. So take note of that. One thing you'll notice about Corbin, and this will be a theme, his O contact percentage is super low, 48.3%. That's like 14.5% below league average. But his in-zone contact, his Z contact, is at 85.8%, which is right at league average. So he really is a guy who thrives by getting folks to chase, chase pitches outside the zone. He doesn't throw the ball in the zone a ton, at least he didn't last year. And so that's just one thing. To kind of know with him, there is a little bit of risk involved in that in case folks stop chasing pitches, but you know they haven't been able to do that yet, so we'll see. His walk percentage, 6%, 
really nice, uh, 2.5% below league average, 2.16 walks per nine. Again, that's great. His first pitch strike rate, 64.4% last year. Uh, That continues a trend of upward mobility for that first pitch strike. Uh, That's up from 62.6% last year and then 55.7% the year before that. So really nice to see. I talked about how he gets folks to chase pitches outside the zone, especially with that slider, which is just nasty. And I'll get to it in a little bit. 38.2% O-swing last year. That's up about 5%, uh, 4-5% from last year. Uh, and even more from two years ago. Now, here's where the kind of relationship between O swing and zone percentage gets um, pretty clear. His zone percentage dropped almost 9% down to 34.4%, which is about you know 8.5% below league average. Now, he can get away with that because he's got that 38.2% O swing, but if that starts to creep down at all... Um, it's going to be challenging because that means that he needs to get he needs to throw the ball in the zone more. And as we saw from his Z contact, he gets hit um, at least from a contact perspective pretty good um, when he uh, when he throws the ball in the zone. So there is some risk involved um, in that type of pro- profile. Um, you can always have folks do a Zach Godley. Obviously, Zach Godley did not have the type of year that Corbin did, but Zach Godley was was awesome because he had about a thirty eight percent. Uh, O swing, you know, 31% is league average. So he was getting folks to chase his curveball outside the zone. Well, he couldn't throw that curveball over for strikes. And so folks stopped biting on that pitch. And as a result, his walk issues returned. He really struggled to get the ball in the zone. And then he needed to throw the ball in the zone more and folks were hitting him hard. So that's just a note of caution around Corbin. Um, Obviously, the skills are super nice with the swinging strike rate, all of those K skills. The walk rate could get a little bit dicey um, at, if if that O swing uh, starts to dip. So there is a little bit of risk um, a risk there. WHIP was at one point zero five this year. That is down from one point four two and one point six five. So that is a, a huge uh, dip for him. The BABIP was at three oh two. There was some luck involved, according to X stats, a three twenty five expected BABIP. Um, and that's much more in line with his uh, career norms. He had a BABIP of 327 last year and 333 the year before. So as I mentioned, if he does have to throw the ball in the zone, not only does he do folks make contact, but they make pretty solid contact with him. So again, that's 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 a risk that you're going to have to balance with some of the elite strikeout skills. Soft hit rate under league average, 16.4% compared to 18.1% league average. Hard hit rate above league average by about 6% at 41.7%. Ground ball rate close to 50%. Woba was at 265. Expected Woba at 285. So that's just something that's important to note. You know, I think in looking over Corbin, we've probably seen his best season from a, um, you know, from a, uh, you know, just an overall perspective, although I'll put a slight asterisk on that. He only had a 33%. Uh, win percentage so that's wins divided by games started he only won three games um, or uh, three games 11 games of his 33 starts despite just being one of the better pitchers last year so we heard a lot about what what DeGrom suffered through but Corbin had similar bad luck in the win department should which should you know change this year but the batted ball data does look a little bit worse than he actually experienced this past year ERA was at 315. Uh, all of the um, uh, ERA estimators, FIP was at 2.47, XFIP 261, Sierra 291. His strand rate at 74.7% was very reasonable, especially for a high strikeout pitcher like him. And one of the reasons why he outperformed those ERA estimators is because he uh, generally has a BABIP that is... Um, uh, that's worse than league average. And a lot of those uh, estimators... Um, at least FIP does, um, just takes a look at uh, league average BABIP. Home runs, 15 home runs given up, 18.2 expected home runs. That would have jumped his home run per fly ball rate from 11.1% to 13.5%. Um, pretty consistently, you know, his home runs and his expected home runs uh, line up. 
He only gave up 0.68 home runs per nine. It jumps up to 0.82 in his expected home run per nine. So again, a little bit lucky, but still really strong uh, numbers there from Corbin. Um, his batted ball data did improve in terms of barrels. 3.8% barrels per plate appearance this year. That's down from 4.8% and 7.4% uh, the year before that. His average home dis- run distance is in the low 400s. All right, let's hop over to his... Um, his pitch splits. Now, the thing about uh, Corbin is this. He has a nasty slider. Of all the pitches in baseball, it may be the nastiest. We're talking uh, 29.3% swinging strike rate and a 51.6% O swing. So that's where that massive uh, O swing comes from is because not only uh, is this one of the best pitches in the game, but he throws it a ton. He throws it well over uh, 40% of the time. I think it was like 42% last year, which is which is great. It had a 27.6 positive pitch value and a 2.1 per 100 thrown. Now, that is... Um, uh, that is his bread and butter, and that is what gets him him through um, and, and has allowed him to be an elite pitcher at least this last year. Now, he's he's usually has struggled with every other pitch. Um, his fastball has he struggled with in the past, but this year his sinker actually generated a w, uh, 99 WRC+, plus, so right around league average, and a 309 WOBA, which doesn't sound great, but for a fastball, it's not terrible, and for a sinker, it's not terrible. His four-seam fastball was also um, around average, 102 with a 312 WOBA. So that's a major difference from last year when each one was at 144 and 142, respectively, 389 and 383 WOBAs. So that is the major difference with Corbin. Another area of risk is the fact that he really is, you know, he's got two pitches in the sense that he's got the slider uh, and the fastball, sinker and the four-seam. He uses... Um, you know, about the the sinker about three-fifths of the time. Um, he does have a curveball that he throws occasionally, but it get hits, hit, gets hit pretty good, 121 and a 339 Woba against. So his other pitches, um, the sinker has a low swinging strike rate, the four-seam has a low swinging strike rate, 4.1% and 5.7%, and low O swings, 26% and 21.2%. So Really, that slider is the bread and butter, and that's what gets him everything. If he were to have any type of trouble with his slider, if folks stop biting on the slider, it becomes a really, really, um, uh, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, he's going to get hit around. So just something to consider uh, in his overall profile. Now check this out. His zone percentage on that slider was 26.7%. Now, league average, not necessarily for a slider, but overall is 43%. So that means that he's rarely throwing that pitch in the zone. Now, folks are chasing it over half of the time, but it's just something to consider with that slider. Again, there is some risk involved um, in that. Um, Other pitches, curveball, 13% swinging strike rate, not tremendous, 25%. Um, O swing, but again, that one gets battered around. He dibbled with a changeup. It may have just been um, marked as a changeup when it was really a curve, but it's really, from what I've heard, it's really just kind of a a softer slider, if you will. Um, Going over to his rolling average graphs, one thing that I will mention, Corbin got a lot of attention last year for the dip in velocity that he experienced during the middle of the season. Uh, He went from 92 all the way down to 89. Um, the good news on that is that the ex- the velocity did return and he finished over his last 10 games. His velocity was right back around 92 miles per hour. So that's really good news. Let's take a look at his 10 game rolling average from last year. Now we talked about how his Z contact was league average. It actually got down into the high seventies over his last 10 games, uh, which is really nice to see. So as that velocity increased, um, he started to get uh, folks to miss um, in the zone, which is a really good uh, thing to see. His first pitch strike rate also crept up to 68.2%. Remember, it, it finished in the mid-60s over the course of the year, so he kind of ended on a high note there. Um, his O swing was all the way up at 40.7%, which is just ridiculous, um, which, um, you know, again, that's great because it's going to help compensate for a, his very low zone percentage of 33.3% over those last 10 games. 
that zone percentage was pretty consistently low in that mid to low 30s. So that's really the approach that he is taking right now. That O swing crept up, the first pitch strike crept up, and then his swinging strike rate is a thing of beauty. 17.9% swinging strike rate over those last 10 games, which is elite, elite, elite. Um, So really, as the season progressed, as that velocity returned, Corbin really, um, his, his game really upped you know, and or upped or got better. Um, you know, the skills are really, really strong. And so Corbin is currently going, um, you know, around pick 50, uh, you know, right on, you know, 50, 49.5 in those NFBC drafts. Now Corbin does carry risk, right? You just look back, this by far is his best year. You look back at previous years and the ERA is pretty high. The whip is pretty high. Um, the K's aren't that high, um, but what really changed for um, uh, for Corbin was the use of that slider. It just has continued. He's continued since the middle of last year when it, he was using about thirty three percent of the time. It's peaked at about forty five percent usage uh, over the, his last ten games. That's the most to use it. So he's almost throwing that one out of every two pitches. And so I think that's why you see that he's been successful. And I expect whichever team signs him, you know, has obviously done their homework and they know that. And so Corbin does have that risk, right? He has that risk of becoming the pitcher that he's been before if folks stop swinging at that slider. But he's throwing it more often um, than he ever has before. And batters have yet to show that they've, they've been able to adjust. And the pitcher that you could get is the Corbin that we saw last year, right? Uh, an ERA in the low threes, uh, over 200 strikeouts, a really high uh, strikeout percentage, and a walk rate that's that's very manageable, if not below league average. So I think where Corbin is going is about right. If you look at some of the other pitchers going around him, you know Edwin Diaz, closer, obviously I would take Corbin in a second over him. There's a little bit of a gap between 40 and 50th pick. Noah Syndergaard is going before him, Carlos Carrasco. I think I like Corbin uh, more than I, uh, or I, I don't like Corbin as much as Carrasco and Syndergaard. I like him more than Severino. If you listen to the podcast, you'll know that. Um, I like him, I, you know, him and James Paxton, I think you're going to hear folks talk a lot about both of those guys and, um, you know, I, I think that them going around the same place makes sense. I think with Paxton, we haven't been able to see a full season, and he's now with the Yankees, and I'm not a huge fan of that, so I probably have Corbin ahead of Paxton uh, just because the location is better. Now, tomorrow, Corbin could easily be with the Yankees as well, but if he signs with somebody like the Phillies, um, you know, I think him and Paxton are pretty equal. I do like him more than Steven Strasburg, who's going at 56. I have not done uh, the deep dive on Jack Flaherty and Jamison Tyone, um, but, um, you know, I think Corbin going around 50 makes a lot of sense. Um, if you can get him as your second pitcher or if you're going to go with him as your um, as your ace and then pair him with somebody a little later on, um, you know, like a Tyone, a Flaherty, or somebody who might... Um, you know, uh, that's, that's another approach that you could take. I'd probably feel more comfortable with him as my, as my number two, but, um, you know, he's overall, um, a very, uh, a very solid, uh, very solid pitcher. I'd have him over Kershaw. I'd have him over Severino. Um, Bueller, I'm going to have to dig in before I say exactly where he is, but you know, he's a, he's a top 15 starter for me. Um, so that is a deep dive on Patrick Corbin. Next up, we have David Dahl, outfielder for the Colorado Rockies. Shout out to Jeremy Wilson at Jeremy underscore Wilson 15 on Twitter uh, for the recommendation. Jeremy gave us, uh, gave the podcast a five-star rating. And as I mentioned in the intro, folks who give the podcast five-star ratings, um, and reviews uh, will get to recommend a player to be covered on a podcast. If you just leave that, uh, that rating, if you leave a review, I'll let you just decide on an entire three players um, that'll slot in. So thank you very much, um, Jeremy, for doing that. Let's hop in on David Dahl. 
Uh, he only has outfield eligibility this upcoming season. His two early mock draft ADP was 147.9. That ain't going to last. His In 10 NFBC drafts, his average draft position was 69.9. So up almost 80 spots, if my math is, is good. A minimum pick of 58 and a high of 94. I think the helium is likely to bring him even higher potentially as we get closer to draft season. Uh, 271 plate appearances this year after 237 back in 2016. He missed the whole 2017 season from injury. Uh, 273 batting average this year on a 268 uh, expected batting average. He had a BABIP of 311 um, and has strikeout rate of 21, 25.1%. Now, one thing I will note about that 25.1% strikeout rate, that is above league average of 22.3%, but it's not nearly as low as it probably should be. His overall um, contact rate is at 71.8%, uh, so well below league average of 77%, and his in-zone contact rate is at 78.2% this past year, uh, which is way below league average. It's over 7% below league average. The type of players who um, have that low of a contact rate um, inside the zone is not a great list of folks uh, to be aligned with unless it's like Joey Votto. But as I'll get to in a second, what really concerns me about Dahl's profile. Now, he's got power and speed, and power and speed are valuable. And so I have no doubt that if he is healthy a full season and he gets a full season full of plate appearances, that he's likely to go to hit 25 to 30 home runs and steal 10 to 15 bases. Um, I don't doubt that for a second. The question is whether he will be able to stay um, in as a fixture in the Colorado Rockies lineup for me. I think there's big bust potential here. And that's because his O swing is at 42.7%. So that's about 12% above league average. Now, he was at 38.9% in his uh, 237 plate appearances two years ago, and his contact rate was similarly bad. Now, oftentimes you see with these free-swinging types, like these Javi Baez's and Eddie Rosario's and Avisail Garcia's, that their in-zone contact rate isn't actually that bad, um, that you know, that, that, they, that they're very aggressive on pitches inside the zone. They also swing at pitches outside the zone as well. But um, when the ball, when they swing at pitches in the zone, you know, they normally make a decent contact. That isn't necessarily true for Dahl. That combination of a really bad O swing and a really bad in zone contact is not a combination that I like. Uh, his OBP last year was 325. So he's not really bringing you value in OBP leagues. Um, at 320 expected OBP. He swings at 55.5% of pitches, so that's about 9% above league average. His walk rate was at 7% last year, 1.5% uh, below league average. I think there's the potential, if these skills continue, and again, we don't have a huge sample size to work with, but if these skills continued, I would expect that strikeout rate to go up and the walk rate to even go down a little bit. The runs per plate appearance, 114 uh, percent. He had 31 last year. Home runs, 16, but only 10.4 expected home runs. His seven home runs that he hit back in 2016 came on 4.7 expected home runs. So he's definitely outperforming his expected home runs. Whether they're, whether uh, it's a Coors thing or not, again, XStats accounts for that, but it is important to note that in, in, the, in the small sample of home runs that we have, the 23 um, he's uh, he's outperformed by nine home runs. So is the power as legit as it um, as it seems with a 5.9% home run per plate appearance? The expected home runs per plate appearance is only 3.8%. So just something to consider um, uh, about him. 37.7% hard hit rate, about 2.5% uh, above league average. 39.3% ground ball rate, so below league average, which is always... Really nice to see. The home run per fly ball rate was super high, 23.2%. When we take a look at the underlying metrics, you know, I'm not sure if I buy into that 23.2% home run per fly ball rate. I may be more inclined to believe the expected home run rate. His hard hit fly ball rate was at 43.5%. That's 6% above league average, but it's not, 
you know, elite, the bordering 50% totals that we often see. His hard hit pulled fly ball rate was at 33.3%, so right around league average. Um, and his barrels per plate appearance were solid at 6.3%. Again, not the super elite numbers that we often see associated with really high um, home run per fly ball rates. So from a power perspective, I would expect him not to be able to sustain the pace that he's had last year. Um, so I'd expect that to come down a, a little bit. But he does have the good recipe in terms of having a below league average uh, ground ball rate. Average uh, home run distance, 408 and 407, about 10, 10 feet uh, further on average for his home run. So he's got a little pop there. Uh, 48 RBI, that was a 17.7% RBI per plate appearance. It seems a little um, higher than where it really should be. Uh, I'd put it um, uh, at least a little bit lower. That's, that's pretty elevated. That was 48 um, RBI. His WOBA was at 357, but his expected WOBA was at 341. So again, good, not great. Stolen bases, he had five stolen bases, 1.8% stolen base per plate appearance, which is slightly above league average. He did have a very poor stolen base success rate, 62.5%, but um, Alex Chamberlain at Dolph Haugen, I think I'm saying it right, um, or I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I, but I think I'm at least uh, putting all the words together. He did some great research based on a conversation um, me and a couple folks were having just about a stolen base success rate. And because stolen base success rate does not correlate well year to year, because it's such a small sample that we have for stolen base attempts, um, it's just, it just doesn't, um, it's not necessarily a great metric to go by. He was 100% in his five stolen bases in 2016. Now, what I found interesting about Dahl, he did increase his stolen base opportunity percentage uh, by, uh, he doubled it from 6.7% in 2016 to 12.5%. Um, but he's a, he's a fast guy, 28.6 feet per second on that sprint speed, which is um, uh, almost two feet per second better than league average. So he is, um, he is fast, he does have speed. And so if he has a decent... Um, if he has decent base running skills, you may see the dude um, steal some uh, steal some bases next year. That's where that kind of home run power, the, the home run uh, stolen base combo uh, comes into play. Let's take a look at his rolling average graphs. Now, this is where like some of my major concerns with Dahl come from. And again, like you'll hear me um, when I talk about Dahl, I've got to couch it in the fact that like just because you are you don't necessarily have a great approach at the plate. This is a bias that I'm trying to get over is just because you don't necessarily have a great approach at the plate from a contact or a, an O-swing, a, a discipline perspective, doesn't necessarily mean you can't be a successful fantasy baseball player. Fantasy baseball and real baseball don't necessarily translate. So when you have a guy with Dahl's skills from a home run and speed perspective, you always have to take notice. And he's playing in Coors Field. So there's a lot of things going in his favor. I just really worry about the contact. So over his la his 40 game rolling average contact, his in zone contact is down at 73.6%, which is insanely low. That's incredibly low. That's 12% below league average on pitches inside the zone that he's making contact with. Now it did peak at uh, around league average at the midpoint of the season, or at least his season uh, in August, but it was all the way down by the end of the season at 73.6% Z contact. That really worries me. Um, similarly, his O swing did come down, but it came down to about, uh, in, in the high thirties, his hard hit rate, his O swing and his ground ball rate all kind of coalesce around the 37 to 38% mark. And so, um, you know, which is, which is obviously, um, interesting. His fly ball rate over the last 40 games wasn't that, that great. It was around 40%. So. Um, solid, uh, not outstanding. So I think overall with Dahl, you know, if you're risk adverse, Dahl is definitely not going to be the guy that you want to be going with. Um, just from an overall draft perspective, um, here are some of the guys going around him, uh, the hitters. Uh, Miguel Andujar, Lorenzo Cain, Tommy Pham, Marcelo Zuna, Jesus Aguilar, Matt Carpenter. Joey Votto, some of the pitchers going around him, Mike Clevenger, Craig, Craig Kimbrell, uh, 
Craig, uh, Zach Granke, um, Kenley Jansen, Herman Marquez, uh, Fultonevich, Araldis uh, Chapman. So you can kind of see who he's being clumped around. For me, you know, I'm going with Lorenzo Cain and Tommy Pham, although they go before him, um, you know, uh, right there. Um, Andujar, I'll have to dig in a little bit deeper. Um, same with Azuna and a lot of the other guys. But I don't just don't know. I think there may be too too much risk involved for me to take Dahl here. If I need a pitcher, it's a really nice spot to get somebody like Mike Clevenger or Herman Marquez. Uh, I like those guys a lot going around this spot. Um, if you're if you're the type that likes to go early on a closer, you know, getting Jansen as long as he's healthy heading into spring training and that in you know, probably 30 picks back from where you had to get him last year or even Chapman, you know, those are some guys who could bring you value. Um, so, you know, there's obviously, we're getting into the part of um, drafts where, you know, there's some question marks around folks, but, you know, Eddie Rosario going at 87.4, you know, he's a guy uh, that I would consider going. Justin Upton is another guy, similar power speed guys, that I would probably go with ahead of um, of Dahl. You have Jose Obreu going at 89.2. He was injured for a lot of last year, but when healthy, the dude crushes, right? Uh, David Price going at at uh, 89.3. So you can see that there that there is a lot of um, you know there's a lot of talent going right here. Mitch Haniger, another outfielder going at 84.1. So there's a lot of folks that you could choose to go with here. I don't blame folks for um, for pushing Dahl up. The power and speed in cores is uh, very appealing, but I have major concerns with the contact and plate discipline that makes me think that his potential to bust, to actually not be in the Rockies lineup, is um, is is big enough. Um, or for him to be sad against lefties, things like that, is big enough that um, that I'm not going to be taking him uh, this high up, I don't think, um, unless something changes that uh, convinces me otherwise. Last but certainly not least on today's podcast, we have Justin Verlander, starting pitcher for the Houston Astros. In 10-2 early mock drafts, he was going at a 34.4 uh, average draft position. Average uh, in the 10 NFBC drafts so far, he's going at 23.5. So solidly in the middle of the second round in 15-team leagues, in 12-team leagues, obviously going um, towards the end of the second round. Minimum pick of 18, max pick of 30. So, uh, you know, he's high up there. So it's a, it's a, it's a small window, but, um, you know, you expect that from a guy going that that early, uh, Verlander is somebody who I have not been in on the last couple of years, and I'm frightened because after looking over these numbers, and, and I think you'll agree, you know, just some really incredible um, stuff from Verlander last year, uh, and really during his time, his whole time with the Astros, and it's going to be hard not to um, target him, and so I'm sure that once I do buy in. Uh, to Verlander that he will be terrible, that 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 will be his demise. But we shall see. Um, 16 wins last year, 15 and 16 wins the two years before that, over 200 innings pitched. He's a volume guy, one of the few remaining in the game. His win percentage is between 47 and 45 the last three years. Uh, Strikeout minus walk rate. Last year, 30.4. So we talked about elite with Patrick Corbin earlier in the podcast being around 24%. Verlander's all the way up at 30.4% with his K-minus walk rate, double the 13.8% league average, strikeout rate of 34.8%, which is just nasty. Again, up there with the Sales and the Scherzers as, and DeGroms as um, just truly elite uh, starting pitchers. 290 strikeouts, the volume is huge. Uh, that 290 strikeouts in 214 innings is good for 12.2 strikeout per nine, 14.5% swinging strike rate. So he managed a, uh, you know, an incredibly high uh, strikeout rate despite having, you know, it's a very elite swinging strike rate. But if we remember, Corbin was at 30% uh, 
K percentage, uh, where his swinging strike rate was at 15.6%. So that might be slightly um, elevated. The general rule is is to multiply the swinging strike rate by two and maybe add one or two to that. Uh, so that puts him in the 30% range, but that is still uh, really, really awesome. O contact, very low. Z contact, low at 79%. That's really nice to see. That's actually a big change from this year uh, to previous years. Even last year, he had a Z contact of 85.8%. So 79%. Uh, his walk rate was at 4.4%, which is just tremendous, and uh, the skills support it. He had a truly elite 68.9% first pitch strike, uh, so that's over 8% above league average. He also had a high O swing at 34.1%, about three, a little over 3% above league average, and then he's also in the zone a lot at 47.7%. So he throws the ball in the zone a lot, and even when he doesn't, he gets folks to change, uh, to chase. That is a that is a recipe for a very low walk rate. Uh, that four point four percent, which is about half of the league average of eight point five percent, one point five six walks per nine. That is just awesome. From Verlander, a point nine WHIP, um, BABIP of two seventy two, x BABIP of two eighty two. So fairly close. Not a huge. Gap and ex-BABIP, he's has always been higher than his actual BABIP um, by about between 10 to 19 points. And so, you know, whether that's just, um, you know, luck three years in a row or whether it's just, uh, you know, Verlander is able to uh, outperform that BABIP, um, that ex-BABIP, that's really nice to see. Soft hit rate up to 20.1%. That's up from previous years and better than league average. And then his hard hit rate is down at 29.1%, 6.5% below league average. And that's a big dip um, also um, from last year when it was 345 That's really nice to see. Now, unlike a lot of folks, you hear that having a high, very high ground ball rate is good. Uh, Verlander is successful with a very low ground ball rate. And this is actually how you maintain that low BABIP. His ground ball percentage was at 29.1% last year, about 14 points below league average. So he gives up a lot of contact in the air, but as we'll see, it is not uh, great contact. 259 Woba, 253 uh, expected uh, weighted on base average, which is just, um, you know, again, truly, truly elite stuff from uh, Verlander. 252 ERA. 272 FIP, 303 XFIP, 263 Sierra. They all support that three ERA or below. He did have a very high strand rate last year, 85.3%. Uh, I don't think that's likely to, um, he's likely to maintain that, but he does have consistently a high strand rate, 79.9 and 79.7% two years before that. So seeing that dip uh, down to that 79%, 80% range uh, seems reasonable. He gave up 28 home runs last year, but only 24.2 expected home runs. Um, so he actually got a little unlucky in that department um, after getting uh, lucky uh, last year when he had 27 home runs and 32 expected home runs. Uh, only his home run per five ball rate has been very consistent between 10.9 and 11.5 the last three years. His expected home run per five ball rate last year was 9.6. He gave up 1.18 home run per nine, uh, slightly above league average. The expected value for last year was 1.02 expected home run per nine. So home runs are uh, a little bit of an issue. So, um, you know, just something to be cognizant of, but the overall package, as you see, is tremendous. Barrels per plate appearance down to 3.7% this year. 31 barrels given up, that's down 1% from 4.7% in 2017 and then 5% two years ago. His average home run distance also dropped uh, to 381, which is 16 feet below league average, so probably giving up a lot of jacks in the Crawford boxes. Um, Let's take a look at uh, his uh, pitch splits really quickly here. Um, And these are really a thing of of beauty. His velocity um, has been pretty steady, around 95 miles per hour the last two years, uh, which is really nice to see, not losing velocity um, in his age. Uh, That four-seam fastball uh, has been really strong 
um, the last two years. Uh, 89 WRC plus against this year, 283 Woba. 79 WRC plus last year, 271 Woba. His slider, also great, 65 WRC plus against, 246 Woba. And then his curveball, 3 WRC plus with a 156 Woba. So really nasty. And the interesting thing about Verlander is that he's pretty much ditched uh, the changeup and the cutter, uh, or it was it was classified as a cutter, but it probably was just a version of of one of his fastballs or, or a really fast slider. Um, but he's really ditched his changeup. He threw 142 in 2017. He threw 311 in 2016. Only 51 changeups thrown um, last year, um, and that was not a good pitch at 169. So it's good thing that he is um, he is doing that. But you have three really solid offerings, all of them positive pitch values. That four-seam fastball, 31 positive pitch value overall, 1.5 per 100. That's really strong. A 13.7% swinging strike rate on that four-seam fastball, which allows him, um, when I get to Garrett Cole, I'll cover him similarly, but the same thing with him and his fastball, 13.7 swinging strike rate. So just his fastball alone has an elite um, slash very strong swinging strike rate attached to it. He also gets it to folks to chase outside the zone a decent amount at 30.5%, especially for a fastball. That's that's really strong. His slider, uh, his, his knockout pitch, 18.6% swinging strike rate. So not you know, not one of these 20% plus offerings that we see, but still very good when you couple it with that high swinging strike rate. Four seam, 39.1% um, O swing. That swinging strike rate on both the four seam and the slider are both up from 2017, up about 5% on that four seam, which is, wow, a big, big jump. Those That Houston four seam fastball jump that we often see. Um, talk to Trevor Bauer about it. Uh, Curveball, 11.7% swinging strike rate, 32.2% uh, O swing. So those numbers don't really um, jump out uh, at you as being particularly strong for a curveball. Um, you know, you would like to see the swinging strike rate being a little bit uh, better, but it also generates 50.9% um, uh, ground balls. And as we saw, the WOBA against that curveball uh, was 156. And so nobody generates good contact on that curveball. So he's got a four-seam fastball, which helps sustain this really high swinging strike rate as long as he can maintain that. He's got a slider that, that serves as his knockout pitch. It's not one of these elite plus-plus you know, uh, knockout pitches, but it does the job. And then he's got a curveball, which minimizes contact uh, tremendously. And so he's got a really, really good... Um, three very strong pitches, pitch uh, arsenal. Now that he's gotten rid of the pitches that he that he um, throws that that aren't that good. Uh, when we take a look at the swinging strike rate over the last ten games for his rolling average, it was up at sixteen point two percent, really high throughout the course of the second uh, half of the season. Uh, about the middle of the year, it really just jumped up um, and just took off and. Man, uh, that looks good. 16.1% over the last 10 games. Second half, sustaining it really high. The O swing also uh, jumped up 38.3% over his last 10 games. It jumped up from being in the low to mid 30s for much of the season. His zone percentage, solidly above his three-year average um, in the high 40s. And then his first pitch strike all the way up to 72 uh, 0.3% over his last 10 games, uh, well above 70% uh, from August forward. So that's uh, pretty strong there. Um, And then his uh, in-zone contact dipped all the way down to 76, and then it's at 79.2 over his last 10 10 games pitched. And so overall, just really, really uh, great stuff um, from Verlander. Um, let's see if he changed that pitch mix at all over the course of the season. Um, so he started throwing the curveball more towards the end of the season. He threw his fastball less. 
and then he had an uptick in that slider usage. So the uptick in the slider usage probably supports that um, uh, that increased swinging strike rate, um, and then the curveball um, you know has a decent swinging strike rate as well. So just interesting um, there. Obviously, um, just a really really solid uh, pitcher in Verlander. He's been doing it, and he hasn't shown signs of slowing down at all. He's one of these arms like Scherzer who just routinely every year throws 200, 200 innings until, until he stops. You know, we're, I don't see a reason why not to buy in. So he's going at 23.5. The folks around him, Freddie Freeman, Giancarlo Stanton, Chris Sale, uh, Trevor Story, Paul Gold, uh, are in front of him. Paul Goldschmidt, Corey Kluber, Aaron Nola, Juan Soto um, behind him. Uh, for Verlander, I would, you know, obviously at the top of the, the draft, it depends on what you want to target. Um, I don't see a problem, uh, with drafting Verlander ahead of sale. If you're concerned about sales health, um, and his ability to pitch that volume, that 200 plus, um, innings again, we'll know more as we head into spring training, but that's just something, um, that you, um, should be thinking about. I definitely would have Verlander above Kluber. Um, definitely have Verlander above Nola um, as well. Uh, looking at starting pitchers, I think for me, the current order of Scherzer, DeGrom, Sale, Verlander makes a lot of sense. Um, so Verlander really is a top five uh, starting pitcher. I think, you know, depending on how you want to construct your team, if early in the draft, Scherzer, DeGrom, and Sale go before um, it comes back to you in the second round, I have no problem with the with folks grabbing Verlander early. If you want to get that stud who will provide you with volume um, and you don't want to wait around to see if maybe a Garrett Cole or a Trevor Bauer um, will still be there when it comes back to you. So Justin Verlander, the skills are probably at uh, or above um, his career best. He looks like a rejuvenated guy pitching for the Astros as so many players do. He's surrounded by immense talent and a, a pretty solid defensive team. So uh, draft draft uh, Justin Verlander. I see no problem with him being uh, that stud ace who brings you volume, who brings you really everything. Um, he's an awesome pitcher. For today's Reach Charles segment, I am jazzed about some research that Alex Chamberlain at Dolph Haldhagen, that's at D-O-L-P-H-H-A-U-L-D-H-A-G-E-N, uh, has been doing the last couple weeks uh, in terms of fantasy baseball. He put out two articles in particular. The first was How Sprint Speed Relates to Stolen Bases, where he looked at the relationship between stolen base success rate, attempts, opportunities, and then StatCast's sprint speed metric. And it was actually based on a conversation I was having with a few other people and actually brought him in. And he, he kind of does a bunch of uh, correlations, both in-season correlation and year-to-year -year correlations. Um, he's done some great research on that. And so I asked him to take a look at um, some of the relationships here. And it's a really great article. And I just want to highlight um, how great it is to have folks who are doing this type of research that can help inform you know, our analysis and the fantasy baseball that we're doing. And I mentioned it in the podcast earlier today, but one of the things that he, he talked about, which is fairly intuitive, is the fact that stolen base success rate isn't necessarily a great indicator of whether um, somebody is going to continue st uh, stealing or whether, it is, um, uh, whether it's consistent year to year. And that's because stolen bases are such a small sample size. Um, what he did find is that there is some correlation between StatCast sprint speed uh, metric and uh, stolen bases. Um, and so that is definitely give it a read. It's on Rotographs. It's called How Sprint Speed Relates to Stolen Bases. The second one, which is super interesting as well, had to do with um, the StatCast uh, measures that correlate best with power metrics. And this was actually an Al Melkier uh, article. Um, Al can be reached at, let me just make sure I'm getting this right, uh, at uh, Al Melchior BB, that's at A-L-M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R-B-B, as in boy. Um, and he did the article, Alex did the research on the correlations, but the question that he was trying to a uh, answer in his article was, what are the StatCast metrics that, are, that correlate 
um, best with home run per fly ball, uh, ISO, um, and hard contact rate of the stat cast metrics in season and then season to season. Um, and what uh, they found is that barrels per batted ball event and barrels per plate appearance percentage um, have the strongest correlation in season to home run per fly ball rate and um, hard hit rate. Um, as do things like average uh, fly ball distance, average uh, exit velo- velocity, um, fly balls, and line drives. It's just a really great article. It goes that. And then year to year, the strongest correlation year to year um, is exit velocity on fly balls and line drives, followed by barrels per batted ball event, um, exit, uh, a- exit velocity average, exit velocity uh, max, and then barrels per plate appearance. Um, those all uh, provide a pretty good year-to-year, uh, uh, pretty good um, year-to-year correlation, um, and so just some really cool research that was done in the last little bit. Stuff that you can use. You know, when I put together my spreadsheet, for instance, I had barrels per plate appearance, and I was using that. It may make more sense, you know, down the road to use barrels per batted ball event instead. And to hone in for speed metrics on the stolen base opportunity percentage, but then also the sprint speed and looking for potential, um, you know, it's hard to do in a given year, but looking at that sprint speed when we're analyzing folks in terms of stolen bases moving forward. So definitely check out um, those two articles. The second article by Al Melkier was titled, Which StatCast Measures Correlate Best with Power Metrics? And that is up over at Rotographs. I would definitely Um, suggest that you not only read both of those, uh, but give Alex uh, a follow on Twitter at Dolph Haldhagen. You will be a better fantasy baseball player for doing that. And then also just a huge thank you uh, to Alex for doing that research um, when, uh, when, when, uh, you know, I had just tagged him in a a conversation and see if he was interested. So that was awesome to do. It's always great to have um, researchers like him in the fantasy baseball community. So Hope you can get some value out of that. Really appreciated that. Hope you do too. That is going to wrap us up for episode 39 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast. We took a look at Patrick Corbin, free agent pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, who had a stellar season last year. Looks very good. Couple slight little yellow flags. Um, on him just in terms of his um, zone rate and his reliance on that slider and getting folks to chase on pitches outside the zone. But it's such a good pitch, people haven't been able to do that yet. Also covered David Dahl shooting up draft boards. I'm not sure I buy into the hype. Uh, There's just some red flags for me with that uh, plate discipline uh, and contact skills that are probably going to keep me from owning any shares of him this year if that ADP remains. And then finally, Justin Verlander, a true ace who can bring you volume as well as skills, as well as just about anything you want in a starting pitcher. A great way uh, to start a staff drafting in the second round. And finally, our Reach Charles segment. I just gave uh, some appreciation to Alex Chamberlain of Rotographs. Um, just for some of the research that he's been doing that's super interesting and um, just want to give him a ton of credit uh, for doing that. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. That is the best way to do that and to engage. Definitely looking forward to it. The season is definitely heating up. Um, People are engaging more. We're discussing ADPs. We're discussing players. It is awesome. Uh, This is what... uh, This is what Twitter and this is what uh, being a fantasy baseball fan is all about. So I'm super excited about that. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Good luck with your fantasy baseball research and be kind to one another.